blessings. We thank you for this opportunity to be in this house of God. And I pray that your words would speak to us, that they would say things to our heart and to our spirits to make a change in who we are, that you would give me the wisdom to know what to share and how to share it, that thy will would be done in this, this evening, that uh, our kids would go and they would be taught well. Thy will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Am I on? All right. Kids, you can go ahead and go if I didn't already say that. You know, it's a privilege to be able to stand up and share some thoughts about our Heavenly Father. And recently, I've been reading, just finished a book called For the Glory. And it's about Eric Liddell. He was the one who the story The Chariots of Fire was about. This story was about him. He was an Olympic champion. He ran for England. And while he was running, he was, he was the fastest man in the country. And he made the Olympic team. And he went to the Olympics in Paris in the 1920s. When he made it to the Olympics, all of a sudden he realized that the 100-yard dash, he'd, he'd qualified in the 100 and the 400. But he realized the 100-yard dash was going to be run on a, on a Sunday. And because of his religious beliefs, he said, I can't do this. He had principles. He was being obedient. And so he wasn't able. He was one of the favorites, if not the favorite, to have won it. He probably would have won it. But he didn't race the 100, which meant he had one race to run, which wasn't on Sunday, and that was the 400. He wasn't expected to do all that well. He had done well in England, but there were so many world champions that he wasn't really expected to win or even, even place in the 400. But with God's help, he ultimately, when the race was was when the race was run, he actually won that 400, and he gave all the credit to his Heavenly Father. So here we have an Olympic champion, and you'd think that an Olympic champion would move on and make, you know, life would be great and so on, but he had a heart for God. And he decided he'd grown up a missionary. He'd lived in China through his early years. He wanted to go back to China as a missionary, so he did. He wasn't married. Didn't have a family, but he went to China as a missionary. While he was there, the Japanese invaded China. In the meantime, prior to that, he'd gotten married, had a couple uh, children, little girls. And when the Japanese came in, they gave them an opportunity to leave. And he decided, I can't do this. I can't abandon my ministry. I can't abandon the people. So he put his wife and his two little girls, and his wife was also pregnant, on a ship. And she was originally from Canada, so she, she went back to Canada with her family, and he stayed. Not shortly after that, the Japanese accumulated all of the missionaries and all the other civilians and took them to a camp called Wysen. 
And in Weissen, the, the conditions were miserable. They didn't get enough to eat. Most of them lost weight. Some of them died. The whole, it was dirty. Everything was horrible. But the one bright light in this camp, and there were thousands of people there, was Lydell. Because of his reputation, people knew him for, for being an athlete. But ultimately, he became known as someone who loved people. He gave himself to them. It was never about him. Ultimately, before, he was there two and a half years. Most of the people survived and went on with their lives, but had all been affected. Just prior to being released, he had been hit in the head fairly hard, and they think that it, that's probably what caused the tumor. He'd been functioning all these months with a tumor in, the, in his head that would have caused most people to have, to have died. But he didn't allow it to destroy him. He continued to serve. He continued to love. He continued, continued to do all the things that a good man would do until it finally killed him. And I've looked at this book, and I'm thinking, what causes a man to make those kinds of choices? What makes a man decide that he's going to rise up and not take advantage of all the financial opportunities he has, but all of the God opportunities that he has? So it causes me to ponder, and that's what I'd like to take a look at tonight. I want to, I, I want to try to figure out what could make me an Eric Lydell? And if I could figure that out, do I have the heart and the will to change, to become like that? Could I be the servant that Eric Lydell became in spite of all the possibilities of his life? He chose a route that ultimately killed him. But in the meantime, he gave everything for the sake of others. So I, want, I would like to explore that a little bit tonight. And God wants to position all of us to change our world. And this is what he chose to do. But this calling is on all of us. We don't get to just sit back and hope somebody else covers the bases. This is for us. So I'd like you to put up Genesis 45, 1 through 7. And because I don't read those so well, a pastor's good at this. He can wander around here and he can see them at an angle and get all that and bless him. But I, I've got it up here, and so I'm going to read it from here, but you can see it on the board. Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, Out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Remember up to now... Joseph had never told his family who he was. They'd come and gone, gone to his father, and so, so on. But now they've come back for this last time. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him. And word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. They had no clue why, jo why Joseph suddenly revealed himself. They didn't know if they were in trouble. They figured they were. Please come closer. I mean, if you don't know the story of Joseph, 
He's the one they threw in the pit. He's the one they sold into Egypt. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. Joseph was, play, was faced with many choices along the way. He's in a pit, not something any of us probably would choose to be in. He was then sold into slavery. Then he was accused of, of attacking Potiphar's wife. Then he was put in prison. And then he started seeing dreams. And you know this, the history of Joseph to the point where ultimately he came out and became a force in the kingdom of, of, of Egypt. God needs to know we will do the right thing no matter how we feel. Sometimes it's not always easy to do the right thing. Joseph continued to do the right thing. And the reason that he was tested along the way is so that I think God knew what he had. But I'm not sure Joseph completely understood what God had. I think Joseph had to become secure in the fact that no matter what happened, he was going to do the will of God. Joseph used his gifts properly. He could have taken advantage of people. He could have become more wealthy. He could have done an entirely different life. Obviously, he was smart. Obviously, he was attractive. But Joseph was a leader, and a leader knows how to serve. That's who we are called to be. We all have a place in life and lives to touch where we have an opportunity to make a difference in someone else's life. But we have to learn how to serve. That's when Jesus came. That's what he did. He served because he loved us. God knew Joseph would not seek revenge when the brothers came. He knew that he wouldn't try to destroy them. And how many of us would have given them that kind of grace? They certainly did. They, they deserve something, maybe not death, but they deserved something. Anger, frustration, guilt. They deserved something. But Joseph, Joseph chose to love them. He, he was a, he's a represents the basically what God does for us. So the question is this. Can God trust you? When you look into your heart and God calls you and God seeks you and He's placed, placed things inside of you for you to take advantage of, can God trust you? And if he can trust you, what must I change to be properly positioned? What about me? Excuse me. What about me needs to change? What authority must I give up to be a child of God? What must I do to be a tool in God's tool chest? 
And the thing is, what I understand about Wednesday nights, and pastor oftentimes will allude to this, I'm talking to people who, for the most part, will understand what I'm saying. Probably this message might have more effect on a Sunday morning when you have folks that, that don't maybe understand all of that. But you're going to have to bear with me, and I hope that I will give you some tools that might help you to touch those lives because we're all called. This isn't just about me being up here. We're all called. 1 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. This is the temple. This is what and where God has chosen to reside. Why he would have chosen such a broken place to spend his time, I don't know. But it is his plan, and he is God, he is omniscient, and I must trust that his plan is perfect. Therefore, I have to do everything I can to get this temple in the right place. We must change from the inside out. Your environment isn't going to, isn't going to be the difference maker in your life. What you choose on the inside is what's going to decide how you express it on the outside. The quality of you is not this. It's your heart. Your heart is what gives you quality. It is what makes the difference. It what lifts you up to be able to be that tool. Luke 5, 29, 32. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of the Levi's uh, fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Isn't that all of us? Didn't we all have to come to a place in a time when we recognized what was broken inside of us so that we could then be this, so that we can be changed? And the whole theme of what I am talking about tonight is how, how can I change to become who I'm supposed to be? The example that I had in the book that I read of, of, of Eric, um, I forgot his last name, and Eric, anyway, Excuse me? Lydell. I've got it right here. Lydell. I, I, I kept confusing that even when I was practicing at home. Anyway, Eric Lydell. The quality of that man, the choices that he made, made him all that he was supposed to be. And he was willing to die for it. Are you willing to give up everything for where God wants to take you? Don't allow yourself to believe you cannot change. 
Every one of you can change. Every one of you needs to change. There is none of us that doesn't have something that doesn't need to be perfected. We all have broken pieces. We all need to recognize that and that God has a plan in that. It costs something to change. This isn't always easy. It wasn't easy for me when I had to recognize that, that I, the attitudes that I had in my marriage were broken, where it was always easy to blame someone else, always easy to hold someone else responsible. My stubbornness drove me more, the majority of my life until God began to reveal to me, and how I first noticed that is my wife was changing. Not as happy, not as content, not who she could be. Because I knew who she could be because I knew her when she was younger. And she was losing that fire. I had to realize what was broken in me. That stubbornness made me selfish. I'm not proud of that. And I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't get that at a much younger point in my life. I could have changed it. I could have made it more peaceful. I could have made a more God-centered life for us. I'm there now, but I blew a lot of years. And that's why when Carol and I do some of the counseling, a lot of the counseling we do is with those that are a lot younger. In fact, nobody's my age. And there's a price to changing. I get it. But that price is so worth spending. Because all that price is, is giving up and surrendering to a Heavenly Father. And He's got a lot better answers than you do anyway. All of us have, have gaps that need to be filled by God. Just think about your gaps. I shared some of my gaps. I'm not going to tell all of them to you but you're going to know a little bit about me. I had major gaps. I had major things that needed to be changed in my nature. And without God, I wasn't going to get it done. Don't think you can fix you. You can't do it on your own. These are holes that in a lot of us have been there since we were children. We've had damage, we've had hurt, we've had disappointments, we've had divorces. We've had many, many events in our lives that have, have pecked away at us and put holes in our heart. And it's only God that can fill the hole. John 8.36. Hope I won't forget Eric's name again. John 8.36. Which, okay. So if the, sun sets you, if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. If God, if you go to God, he's going to set you free. But he's the only one that can do it. It does cost something to be that free. You've got to give up something. What are you going to give up? You've got to give up your will. You've got to give it to the Lord. You have to out, outlive others' perspective of you who see you as you were. 
I don't know as I've ever shared this before, but maybe, but I'm going to do it again. I, my aunt had a birthday party, and she turned 90 on that birthday party a couple years ago, not all that long ago. And uh, all the women happened to be gathered in one of the rooms, and I was talking with a couple of my cousins, and they got to talking about my stubbornness. Uh, I don't know how that came up, but they started talking about me being stubborn. And I, I talking to Gwen and Linda, my cousins, and I said, I'm not, you know, maybe a little, but I'm not that bad. And they started laughing at me. And so I said, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask, I, there are women in this room that love me. I am, I am going to ask them. And I had aunts that were at a distance away visiting, and I yelled at them. I, I had one advantage. I was one of few boys in the family. So if they didn't like me, they didn't like anybody. So they loved me, even though apparently I was broken. And I said, am I, do you see me as stubborn? And they all started to laugh. And You've got to be kidding. Well, obviously, that was kind of a wake-up call for me. I had already worked on it some because I didn't want to be broken. And I had become a different person. I, I was changing. But the truth is, I don't know that they'll ever see me any differently. I don't know that they'll ever understand what God's reconstructed inside of me. But I love them anyway. But there's going to be people in your life who even though you change, they're not going to understand the change. You have to do it for you. And the opportunities that it will present to you down the road in your life. Matthew 12, 41 and 42. The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it. For they, rep they repented of their sins in the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. The queen of Sheba will also stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it. For she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. God loves us enough when he came, and Jesus, when he came, he loves us enough that he was actually shocked that people were not willing to change after they heard the truth. But why would he be shocked? All of us have had to deal with that. To have hear, heard a message that should have penetrated us, but we weren't in the right place at the right time to be able to digest it the way it needed to be digested. Okay? All of us have had to face that. But there must come a point in time where we quit doing it that way. We have to get to a point where we're no longer, no longer standing up. When it says Jesus was shocked, we need to change his view of us. We need him to see, for he knows what we can be, but we need to invite him in so that we can become it. Mark 6, 4 through 6. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown, among the relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people 
and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. If you didn't believe me the first time, Jesus is surprised. Jesus is always surprised when we don't listen to him and apply it to our lives. You don't want to surprise Jesus. Jesus wants your heart and he wants all of it. When they heard the truth, how could they not grow? When we hear the truth, when pastors up here every Sunday, we hear the truth every week, twice a week typically. Why don't we grow? Why don't we change? Why don't we take that and become something different than what we are that's been broken? We can be familiar with the Father, but not really know Him. Most of us who know who God is, but how close a relationship do you have with Him? We should look like Jesus in disguise. I kind of like that one. I think Jesus was probably a reasonably handsome man, but I don't know that He was real handsome. I think the Bible almost indicates that He was almost ordinary. And yet He had something about Him that reached out and touched people in the heart. He had a way about Him that made a difference. We want to get as close as we can to looking like Jesus. When people get close to you, they get touched. They get changed. Jesus should never feel homeless when He lives within us. Remember, this is the temple. When you invited Jesus in, most of us probably put Jesus in a little shack. We don't really understand too much. And so we gave him a little place to reside. And he's okay with that because his plan is, is that we'll get our heads together here and we'll start building something together. We'll, be, we'll start becoming something that we weren't before. So the little shack is okay. But as he spends time with us and as we allow him to, to be in us, He's not there to stay in a shack. He's there for a building project. You are his building project. He's entered you to create something. But there's too many times that we often, because it may be an inconvenient moment, inconvenient circumstance, something's inconvenient, and we just keep him in his little shack. It isn't that we're not saved. It's that we're not growing. And if you're not growing, chances are what you have will begin to fade. We are expected to, to be in construction on this temple with Christ. This is what I have to fix. I can't have influence until God's done something about this. First Corinthians two, six through nine. But you're quick back there. Yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world, who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, 
they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scripture means when they say, No eye has seen, has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Have you continued the construction job? Have you continued to seek this plan that God had before the ages for you? Or have you kind of settled? Settling is not a healthy place to be. Settling typically means that at some point, I am going to start moving backwards. Your walk with God has two options. To move ahead with Him and find destiny, or to shrink and not have the value that it was capable of having. If you love Him, there is a plan. That's the bright part of all this. Love Him. You must start by loving Him. Get to know Him. You don't owe your past anything. A lot of us get hung up because of where we have been and what we have done and how it's affected us. Some of you I know have had pretty tough backgrounds. Some of it was no choice of your own. Some of it was imposed on you. Nonetheless, life was hard. We're not all that way, but there's enough in here that know what I'm talking about. And God has a plan for you. He has a desire and a heart to pull you out from where you have been. And you need to hang on to that rope just as hard as you can so that you don't get pulled back to where you came from. Your past should not, have, should not be able to take you where you don't need to go. Too many times we let the past catch up with us. We can stop it, but it comes through commitment to Christ. Struggles are an open door for God. When you're struggling, that's when God comes in and starts taking care of things. That's when everything's going well, it's either easier just to kind of move on. But it's in your struggles that we grow. However, if in our growth we don't fix where we're at right now, God gives us another chance. We go through it again. So my advice to all of us is get it the first time. Quit beating yourself up. Quit going through trauma time after time after time. Get it the first time, and then God will move on to something else. You must, you must believe you are significant. You must, you must understand that you are special. God created you for a specific purpose, and you have to choose whether you're going to receive that or not. It is there and out there for you, but you must develop it with your Heavenly Father. And God will make up for what you lack. Thank goodness. Because all of us lack something. Something that will help us to get where we're supposed to be. God will pick up your pieces, but just yield to Him. Sometimes, and I know some people in this room that are going through really tough times right now, that are going through a lot of pain, and I can't take that pain away from you. But I can tell you, there, there is a future, and there is a way to ease ourselves out of these trying times and let God in charge. 
There is peace ahead of us, but we've got to have the heart to receive it. Exodus 4.10. Moses pleaded with the Lord. O Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear? Do not see. Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. Okay? God can use you even with your limitations. Even with those things you think you're not good at. There's no reason in my history to think that I would ever stand up here and think I had any right to share with you what I think God might have. There's no reason for me to think that. The only thing that's ever happened is that God got a hold of my heart. It still doesn't necessarily make it easy. It was a lot harder the first time, a little easier the second time. I don't know where I am tonight, but it's easier than it was. Okay? If you step out and do what you're called to do, God will take care of the pieces. God will give you the strength to stand up and do what you have to do. Say what you have to say. Invest in that relationship and in that marriage that God has given you. In that woman who sometimes isn't always easy. And in that man who's very rarely easy. Okay? That's been my... Seems like my understandings here lately. If I could get the guys cleaned up, I think we'd be okay. <laughs> when God calls us, He gives us the strength to do His will. You have the power and authority inside of you. And you just got to claim it. I had to learn how to claim it. It's not an overnight thing. And that's sometimes the hard part. It's being patient enough to allow God to come into this moment. And then verse 13 and 14. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send me, send anyone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. God didn't like this. I don't even know why God saw in Moses what he saw. Obviously, he's omnipotent. He knows, the, he knows who Moses was. But man, Moses fought him every step of the way. And yet he continued to pursue Moses, even when he got angry. What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he is on his way to meet you. He will be delighted to see you. Okay? So God has given him an alternative. God wants to use Moses. God wants to use you. He'll help you. He'll give you a substitute if it's necessary. But the truth about Moses and Aaron, there isn't one example in the Bible that said that Moses actually used Aaron to speak. Once he made the commitment to do what he was called to, God did the rest. He stood before Pharaoh. He told him about the plagues. It was Moses, and yet Moses didn't think he had the ability to do it. I'm telling you, there's qualities inside of you. You've got to let them out. 
you've got to start seeing the, capa your, uh, the capacity that you have inside of yourself. And I'm somewhat passionate about that because I know in myself how long I compressed that, how long I pushed those things behind me. And it stopped me. It stopped me from being the child of God I was capable of being. I haven't arrived. Please don't think that's what I'm trying to say up here. I've stood a long ways. I sent my wife to the classroom so that she couldn't smile and so on. <laughs> my wife could tell you a lot of things about me that aren't perfect, and some of it is true. <laughs> some of it is not. Okay? I, it's not about being perfect. It's not about... It's, it, it's not about doing something in spite of yourself. It's about allowing God to flow through you, allowing God to have his way with you. Numbers 13.33. This is when the Israelites were coming into the promised land, and um, God has promised that he would do whatever was necessary to make sure they could get in there. And these are the spies that came back with a poor message. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought, too. People see you as you see yourself. If you see yourself as insecure, if you see yourself as an angry person, if you see yourself as depressed, if you see yourself that way, that's how others will see you. You have to make a determination in your life how you want to be seen. If you want to be seen as joyous, if you want to be seen as somebody who has leadership in them, if you want to be seen as someone who is a child of God, you've got to act like it. You've got to smile. You've got, you, you got to stand up to what's coming at you and not let it overwhelm you. Fear cannot be the basis of how you live your life. Know who you are. You are a child of God. And in that, you have power. Surrender yourself with the, surround yourself with those who know who you are. Too many times we find people in life that just kind of support our insecurities. We need to find people in our lives that are going to support our strength. If you are surrounding yourself with people who are, who are just drifting with you, you're with the wrong crowd. You need to be around people. This church should be a source. We should be able to rely on each other for strength. There should be somebody in this congregation that you can go to when you have an issue, you have a problem, that will pray with you, will help you to understand what your path is. This church needs to be a resource. I need... Sorry. I need to be a resource, a tool in Christ's toolbox, just like you. He should be able to just come in this church and just lay us in there, just layer us in there. And then when there's a need, he can pluck one of us up and he can take care of it. We have got to get to the point where we are servants. As we allow God to change us, our walk with God will become contagious. Just like a smile. Everybody's attracted to a smile. All of us are more attractive 
with a smile. That's why we should smile, okay? As we allow God to change us, we, uh, our walk with God will become contagious. Be contagious. Learn how to be contagious. Learn how to be someone that people want to be with and around. It's not that hard. A smile goes a long ways. A positive attitude goes a long ways. Not condemning people around you goes a long ways to helping people see your capacity for goodness. God wants us to flourish. He wants us to just be awesome. But we can't do it on our own. We need to surround ourselves with awesome people. We need to trust an awesome God. Acts 9. 9, 33 and 34. There he met a man named Aeneas, who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. Don't settle and don't park at the point of your pain. I know there's pain in this room. I'm not going to look at you. Looking at everybody. There's pain in this room. You may not know who they are, but I promise you there's pain in this room. And I'm sure there's pain in this room that I'm not familiar with. But what we have to do is not settle there, not go there and stay there. I understand your pain. Some of you, I know where the pain came from, why the pain exists. But we've got to get to the point where we understand pain for what it is. It is something for, for God to come in and help us deal with, where we can become strong, where we can deal with the circumstances of life, because God is helping me. I may hurt, but my pain isn't going to drive me. It's not going to make me make bad choices. It's not make, going to make me want to go where I shouldn't go. My pain is usable, because God has the opportunity to change me. This whole thing is about how do I change to become great? To become a Lydell. How do I become that? I'm not saying all oh, you need to be missionaries in China, please. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm suggesting is you have, you have a world to touch. Every one of you has a sphere of influence that I don't have. And we need to reach out and grab it. Don't let your pain force you. You fight against your pain. You fight for what God has for you. Don't allow that pain to ultimately destroy you. You see too many people that are controlled. I had an aunt and uncle, actually great aunts and uncles up in Canada. And I only know this because my parents shared it with me. I don't even know that I ever met them. But they lived in Canada. And apparently her husband had an affair. And when he had this affair, uh, she found out. They decided, and they had been in the church, I mean, it was just, you know, Christians. Um, 
But they, they decided that they were going to try to make it, that they weren't going to get a divorce. They weren't going to split. So she decided to hang in there. But she never decided to not live in her pain. She lived in her pain, apparently, according to what I was told, basically for the rest of her lives. And they were young when this happened. Both of them suffered this horrible relationship because no one could forgive. We're all faced with challenges. Infidelity, obviously, is a tough one. But if you're going to decide that you're going to make it, then you've got to have a heart to make it. You can't just survive. You can't just live the rest of your life trying to make someone else pay a price. It will destroy you. We must deal with our pain. When we are at our worst, God is at his best. So, you know, I'm challenging you here, but the truth is you're going to make mistakes. And I know that because I make mistakes. And I don't think you're all that different than me and the world. You're going to make mistakes. But God in his glory has set up a system by which when we do that, if we'll call on him, he's the resource, he's the source, he's the ones that can do all the repairing if you just let him. John 9, 6 and 7. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. One of the keys to getting healed is obedience. So the man went and washed and came back. We don't always get to choose our path out of darkness. Most of us would like to tell when we're going through tough times, we'd like to go to God and say, you know, do this, this, and this. But we oftentimes don't get to choose that path. You've got to remember, you're, you're dealing with an omniscient God, a God that knows all the facts, the God that knows all the truth. He knows the other side. He knows your side. He's got all the information he needs. God has a better plan than you do. It might line up once in a while. But normally, God's going to have his own plan. He's going to fix things in his own time and in his own place. But he can't do it without you. There has to be a willingness from you. Jesus sent this man to the pool. Obedience to God is the beginning of our change. Obedience almost always brings pain before it brings relief. Have you noticed that? When you're obedient to do the right thing every time, it doesn't automatically just fix everything immediately. Sometimes you've got to go through the tunnel. You've got to go through those things that are, that, that are painful, whether it's separation. You know, oftentimes in our world we think about divorce. It's painful. Most divorces aren't two people deciding to get divorced. It's one person who decides to do something else with their lives, and the other person gets crushed. It's, it, it hurts. And, 24 and uh, verse 24 and 25. 
So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. He said, I don't know. He responded. They called the blind man in to see what was going on. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind and now I see. How many of you would have appreciated me coming along and in, in your blindness? I said, let me spit in your eye. You know, how many of us would really think that was a cool thing, you know, that that was okay? And then you're going to put mud in there too. I mean, it just doesn't seem like a very practical... I mean, I know you, Jesus. I know that you could just flick your fingers and I would see. So what was the purpose of the spit in the mud? It was obedience. This man needed to know that he could make a choice of obedience. Christ Jesus, he knew, but this man needed to know this about himself. We have to be obedient and do the right thing. God will handle what you can't, but he won't handle what you run from. We can't always just move away from our pain. Sometimes we have to attack it. And we have to have the army of God behind us. Because most of us, when pain's that hard, we don't have it in us on our own. But if we've got Christ there, we can work through the pain. I know when I went through a divorce, it hurt. It's not something I wanted. It hurt. I had two little girls that in my mind I, was gonna, I wasn't going to be able to raise. And for a long time, probably a couple years, I lived in that pain. And, but over time, God started to get a little more of a handle on me, and I worked through that. Sometimes pain takes time, and therefore I have to be comforted by my God. He's, he's got to be my resource. He's got to be my strength. All of you have been through something. Not all of you have been divorced. Some of you have, and you know what I'm talking about. It takes time to wind your, wind your way through pain. Well, let me see. Where was I? It's not about what you can do. It's about what you can allow God to do through you. I want you all to be so healthy and so strong inside. I want me to be this way too, by the way. To be so secure in who God is that when life comes at me, comes at you, that it doesn't really matter. That you have built up a war chest inside of your heart for every circumstance. It's not going to take away all your pain, not going to take away all your disappointments, but it prepares you. It keeps you on track with God if you will do that. What is your relationship to the Bible? And this is really a core piece of our staying healed. Are you dating the Word once in a while it shows up? Are you engaged? Spend a little more time? Or are you married to the word? 
Do you regularly invest in your relationship with your Heavenly Father? Is this a daily thing for you that you're constantly seeking your God? Or have you gone back to that little piece in the heart where he's living in the shack? All of us should be building a temple, a beautiful residency for our God. I am, would not be surprised the majority of the people here are doing that. You're here on a Wednesday night. Not always common. You have some interest in what God can do for you. To do that twice a week is more than most, but it takes more than that. It takes an investment of time with you in the Word of God and in prayer. So, are you dating? Just ask yourself, are you dating? Are you engaged? Or are you married? And is it a good marriage? 1 Peter 5.10 In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, He will restore, support, and strengthen you, and He will place you on a firm foundation. Christ, God, never, never promised us that there wasn't going to be any challenges. But what He says here, He says there's going to be some suffering for a little while. You sometimes get to decide how long that suffering is going to be. Am I going to get Christ in the middle of this and deal with the suffering that I am going through at this point so that I can bring it to an end? Or am I going to hang on to my suffering? You'd be surprised how many people want to hang out there. He will restore. He'll fix everything that's broken. He'll support, he'll have what you need, and he'll strengthen you. He'll give you power. I don't think most of us realize the power that we have within us to deal with all these things that life will throw at us. And he will strengthen you. He'll give you a firm foundation. He'll get a place for you to set your feet, to stand firm, to not let Whatever's back there catch us. Our eyes are always this way. How many times do, mo do we turn our head and notice the past and we can't turn back? We need to get to the point where our eyes are headed towards Christ, towards the destiny that was created for us, that we've changed enough inside our spirit to be able to stand firm and not let this thing that's trailing us catch up. We can't eliminate what's happened back there. But if you're going to continue to be insecure about it, if you're going to continue to be uh, unhappy about it, or angry about it, spiteful about it, this thing has the ability to overrun us if we don't put a stop to it. The past is a vicious challenge for those who don't keep their eyes straight ahead towards Christ. First Peter, let's see, I already read that. Life is a series of breakthroughs. We're going to, I got something today, 
I deal with it. I have something tomorrow, I deal with it. I'm breaking through day by day by day so that I can become that temple that, that he intended me to be. There's a, kind of, a for me, a good example of what I'm talking about, and that's eagles. When an eagle is born, when I say born, it's in an egg, and it's in the nest, an eagle, <coughs> the form of the eagle is a, uh, it couldn't survive if it didn't have the shell. It has its protective shell. And that shell's fairly, an eagle's shell's fairly hard. And the eagle's, and so this eagle is, begins to grow. Eventually, this eagle needs to break out of the shell. But if it breaks out too early, it will die. So while this eagle is developing physically, it's also developing a tooth, an egg tooth. And that eagle learns to move its head like this with that tooth. And what happens over time as the eagle develops, the tooth develops too. See, that tooth isn't strong enough yet to break through the protective covering, the shell. But over time, as the eagle develops, that tooth, it learns more and more, gets faster. And it's constantly pecking away, causing a groove in the shell. Till the point in time that that eaglet will break through the shell with that tooth. That tooth is its survival. The, the eaglet would die inside of the shell. Its protective covering becomes dangerous after a while because it refuses to break through the shell. And it's the same with us. When you first become a Christian, there is a peaceful covering over you because you've given your life to Christ. And there is that period of time when we're trying to develop and we're trying to grow. But all that period of time that we're trying to get stronger, we should be developing our spiritual tooth. That piece of us that will let us break out of this first stage where we're going and moving into the kingdom of God because I'm breaking through. And life is a series of these comfortable areas. When we become comfortable at any stage in life, we need to think about how are we going to develop the truth, the, the tooth. How am I going to break out of this mold that I'm in? It isn't that I don't want you to be comfortable. It's that I don't want you to become so comfortable that you quit energizing yourself for the kingdom of God. We've got to sharpen our tooth. If we'll all sharpen our tooth, you'd be surprised what we can accomplish as a body. So I want you to start thinking about how you're going to sharpen your tooth. And that comes from enhancing the relationship that you already have with your God. Our protection can ultimately be our problem. Sometimes, eventually, we have to be able to move, to break out of where we're at now. What you're breaking into doesn't look what you're like what you're breaking out of. The shell around the chick didn't look like that world that he was breaking into. 
But the world he was breaking into had all kinds of opportunities for him. I mean, up to now, he just sleeps and eats and pecks. And he thinks that's a pretty cool life because that's all he knows. But eventually, as an eagle, he's going to get to hunt. He's going to get to fly. He's going to get to reproduce. He's going to become an eagle. He's not going to be an eaglet the rest of his life. And that's where we must get. We must learn how to fly. We've got to take the proper steps to get where we need to be. Don't let your fear stop you. Don't let your fear stop you. I'm going to do something for my 70th birthday. I'm going to be 70. I shouldn't even tell you, but I'm going to be 70 here shortly. Which is okay. You know, I'd like to have done a lot of things younger in terms of what God could have done with me. But I am where I am. So I'm going to do what I do. One of the things I've always wanted to do is fly. And yet there was always a certain amount, I suppose, a reservation or fear about that. But what I wanted to fly was a powered parachute. So for my 70th birthday, I don't even know for sure why I'm telling you this. I hope I can come up with an analogy. <laughs> but I'm going to go down for two weeks in March, and I'm going to learn to fly. And I'm going to get my, my sports pilot's license. We all need goals. Most of them should be spiritual. I don't think this guy's a Christian, so maybe... Maybe I can get him saved. And maybe that's my motivation. <laughs> maybe that's my reason for doing this. I don't know. But it's something I've always wanted to do. Give yourself hope. You know, I'd have liked to have done this 20 years ago, but I didn't. Don't keep saying, I wish I had. Look to God to get you where you need to be so that you can say, I'm glad I did. And your life will be so different. Your life will be so much more full. Anything neglected loses its value. Don't neglect your salvation. Work at it. Nurture it. Your relationship with the Lord can be secure, but it may not be growing as it should be. Grow your tooth. If you're going to step into the next dimension, it's going to cost you something. If you're going to break out, it's going to require an effort. If it's going to be any different in your life than what it is right now, you're going to have to fight for it. But Jesus gave his life for you. So we have to determine just how important that really was. He gave it all. God only had one son. And he gave him to us. We need to give him all we are so that we can be all we were called to be. Thank you for listening to my ramblings. I hope God can, uh, you know, something in that will have touched your heart, that there's some possibilities out there for you. I, you know, sometimes it's really easy to feel 
like you're just preaching and trying to make everybody feel bad. But that really isn't my heart. I just, I want you to recognize the possibilities in your lives. I want you to know we, we serve such a superior God. One that, that doesn't deserve most of what we do to him. And we need to band together. And I would really encourage you. There are needs all over this community. But there's also a lot of needs inside of this church. And let's do what we can to help those that need help. And uh, love them accordingly and not judge. Okay? Let's stand. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this evening. I want to thank you for maybe just clarifying things even in my own mind as to who I am to be. I just pray that as we go from here, we become forceful and powerful representatives of our Jesus Christ. Thy will would be done in every life here and that thy will would be done in this world where we touch and change where we go out and be the ambassadors for Christ, and we are the obedient ones. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you, praising God.